Hello, welcome to Senior Beat. My name is Christine Beatty, and I'm the director at the Madison Senior Center. And this program is of, for, and by older people. My co-producers, Tom Frazier. Who's um, one of them. Yes, who is, <laughs> and likewise. And uh, we have uh, lucky enough to have a very exceptional guest today. Would you like to introduce it? Yeah, I would. I'm, we're very pleased to have with us today Jay Heck, mm -hmm. who is the uh, executive director of Common Cause in Wisconsin. And Jay has been the executive director of, Co of Common Cause uh, since 1996. Um, mm -hmm. He first moved to Wisconsin in 1988 from Washington, D.C., uh, and in Wisconsin, before he became the director of Common Cause, he worked in st various state legislative positions. He's a native of uh, Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, graduated with honors from Miami University. That's Miami of Ohio <laughs> University. Yep. We were just talking about the same school that Speaker Paul Ryan went to. So. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what to say about it. It may be the only thing we have in common. <laughs> Speaker Ryan and I. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, we want to talk today about uh, issues involving elections. And, uh, you know, I think these days we hear so much about um, voter fraud and we hear about rigged elections mm -hmm. and we hear about all these things, but that's not exactly the problem. I mean, a lot of stuff that is bad goes on well before anybody shows up in the voters booth. One of those things is um, we finally refer to it as uh, gerrymandering, also uh, redistricting, if you will, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. the state uh, states do every 10 years uh, based on the census. And uh, but um, it's um, pretty bad in Wisconsin and some other places. It, and it's not a, a partisan issue. You know, there are Democratic states that are very bad and there are Republican states that are very bad. So, Jay, why don't you lead us into what, what it is and uh, how we kind of got to where we are today with a, a case in the U.S. Supreme Court. Sure. Well, first, uh, what a pleasure to be with Christine and Tom. Thank you both very much for having me again. Been on yeah, a, welcome back. Mm -hmm. back uh, a year ago or something, I mm -hmm. can't remember. But uh, And what an exciting time to be talking about this issue. It used to be, and I've been with Common Cause, as you mentioned, for almost 22 years, and it used to be when I would talk about this subject, you could, by the end of the third sentence, see eyes glazing over and people wondering you know, what this had to do with them. And, yeah. and what we have found out in the last certainly three or four years is that this is like a critical issue for anybody and everybody who mm -hmm. cares about the quality of their lives mm -hmm. because uh, the quality and the way in which we select our elected representatives is just, uh, it's, it's the capstone to our democracy. And in the case of the redistricting process, as you mentioned, it's done every 10 years. The next one will be in 2020, mm -hmm. uh, the next uh, census, and then the next year, 2021, is the redistricting process. And in Wisconsin, uh, that process has, for the last 60 years, or 50 years really, been a relatively bipartisan process, in right. large part because we've had split government. Right. We've had either a Republican or a Democrat occupying either one house of the legislature or the governorship. And so 
when they redraw the state legislative and congressional lines, it's always been the case that they've had to come to a compromise in order to pass the maps mm -hmm. and get them enacted into law. Uh, and then they usually go to the uh, a federal court for some tweaking, mm -hmm. but, the, but it's not a dramatic change on the part mm -hmm. of the courts. Well, in 2011, it was the first time where one party, in this case the Republicans in Wisconsin, had total control of state government. And what they opted to do was what a lot of states opted to do uh, on the Republican side. They adopted something called the Red Map Strategy, and it mm -hmm. was a national effort. And the effort was to not only make the state legislative districts and the congressional districts favor Republicans, but to do it in the most partisan way possible. And so as it turns out, Wisconsin in 2011 had the most partisan Republican, Republican maps drawn in the country. Other states like Michigan and Pennsylvania and North Carolina and Ohio, also Republican legislatures and governors, also gerrymandered, but Wisconsin did it to the most extreme. Mm -hmm. There were some Democratic states, as Tom mentioned. This is not a Republican phenomenon. No. Uh, Maryland, Rhode Island, mm -hmm. and one only goes south of the border to Illinois to see how the uh, Illinois General Assembly has been uh, gerrymandered by the Democrats. They've had one person as the Speaker of the Illinois General Assembly since 1982, a guy by the name of Michael Madigan. Mm -hmm. He's, mm -hmm. He is just a permanent emperor. <laughs> and it's because of it's because because of redistricting. Right. So it's a problem, right. and the problem, of course, is because it robs voters of real choices in general elections. Mm -hmm. They have a choice in the primary, usually between the most extreme of that party right. and a moderate. In which case, on both parties, the most extreme generally wins. The most conservative Republican, the most liberal Democrat. What that has led to is a polarization of politics. I was going to say, this, this kind of extreme polarization just adds to the difficulty we have in compromising. We don't get anything done. And yep. the moderates, the voices of reason, who used to be sort of the moderate Republicans, mm -hmm. uh, I grew up in, mm -hmm. that, in that atmosphere, or the moderate Democrats would be the folks that would come and uh, try to reach a consensus sure. Sure. and bring everyone with them. So that's what happened, and what happened uh, as a consequence of that is that we know, for instance, in, in 2012, 52% of Wisconsinites voted for Democrats for the state legislature, but yet only 39 of the 99 seats, about 40% of the mm -hmm. seats, were Democratic seats, seats in the Assembly. Mm -hmm. So that indicates that the voters will is not taken into account. It's mm -hmm. just the way that the lines are configured. Democrats are packed into fewer districts. Republicans are spread out more, but with a decided advantage. Sure. And so that brings us to the situation of the Supreme Court case that we're talking about. Right. And a couple of years ago, uh, Democrats decided that they were going to work with some uh, experts and some uh, folks to, to try to attack this problem arguing that even in the case of extreme partisanship, voters can be disenfranchised. Mm -hmm. That's certainly the case in, uh, for racial minorities that they're dis disenfranchised uh, and in other, other areas uh, of, of the law. Uh, 
redistricting has always been considered something of a partisan exercise, yeah. but this argument is that this was excessive partisanship. It disinf In other words, the votes of Democrats are not worth as much as the votes of Republicans right. because they don't have any possibility of gaining control. So of if I'm a, a voter general. and I live in a district that's gerrymandered, uh, say, uh, not to my advantage, <laughs> then, you know, my vote almost doesn't count. Yeah, it doesn't Because count. I don't have a chance of, yeah. uh, like, of course, of course, I live in Dane County, so that Well, <laughs> yeah. a Republican wouldn't have a chance in Dane yeah, County. Right. In Dane County, a Republican wouldn't have a chance. Yeah. So, so it is important to our democracy. It is, because otherwise, uh, and, and the reason that you want competitive elections simply stated, is it just makes legislators more responsive to their constituents. Sure. If you have an utterly safe seat, you don't have to listen. Yeah. You can be lazy yeah. and still expect to win. Right. So, you know, that's bad. And then the other part, too, is that in democracy, your vote is supposed to mean something and you should have a choice. Right. And we do know that the folks that live in competitive uh, congressional or state legislative districts tend to turn out more to vote uh -huh. because there's a reason to vote. That's now, there's right. reasons to vote for governor and U.S. senator. Those folks are not gerrymandered. They run statewide. Sure. But nevertheless, it's, a, it's an important right. thing. And so what happened in Wisconsin is that this group of plaintiffs stepped forward and challenged Wisconsin's 2011 redistricting process. And they challenged it on several bases. Not only that it was non-competitive, but also that it was done in secret, which it was. Uh -huh. There was no public hearing about it. There was one the day that they rammed it through the legislature in wow. 2011. I didn't realize that. But the maps were drawn in secret behind closed doors. Nobody was allowed to look at them beforehand. Republicans, to go see what their districts looked like, had to sign secrecy oaths swearing that they would not reveal the contents oh, of what they did. So it was... This, talk about democracy as a transparent system. And, was, and Wisconsin. And particular, Wisconsin, particular. yes. We, yeah. we, we, are the, we, were, we were traditionally the leaders in open records and in open government. And, yes. And the taxpayers paid for this. And that's the other outrage. The, your tax, mine too, our taxpayer dollars, about $2.3 million so far, mm -hmm. have been used to defend utterly indefensible, non-competitive state legislative wow. maps. And just to complete the thought, when I moved to Wisconsin in 1988, five of our eight congressional districts were truly competitive, including the one that we live in here. Mm -hmm. But because of gerrymandering, no congressional district in Wisconsin is yes. uh, competitive. And at when all. you look at the map, don't you see some really strange shapes that start appearing? Well, exactly. And that's hence the term gerrymander yes. after salamander, yep. and we could go into the history of it, but the, but, 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 the, but the antidote to that would be to do what our, uh, our friends in Iowa do. And in Iowa, they don't allow the, legis the partisan legislators to draw the maps. Right. They have a nonpartisan state agency right. that draws them, and they have to draw them to a, uh, according to a set of very strict criteria. Amongst them are Squares are good. Rectangles are really good. Mm -hmm. uh, keeping counties together are good. You know, in Wisconsin, 48 of the 74 counties have been divided. Yep. And some counties, tiny little Monroe County, is split amongst three, three members of Congress. Wow. So, so the whole idea is that this is done not, to, uh, not for the benefit of the citizens so that they can have some continuity and community of interest 
and a legislator that really cares about them. It's done to provide safe seats for the majority party. So, and that's the basis of the lawsuit. It was accepted by the, well, first of all, a federal court a year ago declared the Wisconsin maps of 2011 unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the Attorney General, Republican, appealed that decision mm -hmm. to the U.S. Supreme Court, and the U.S. Supreme Court has accepted it. They've already heard oral arguments. That was in early October. And we expect a decision, hopefully, in March at the uh, latest, but it's more likely going to be May. And we'll see. And the whole country is hanging in the balance because if the U.S. Supreme Court decides that the Wisconsin maps are truly uh, a truly a case where excessive partisanship mm -hmm. has made it has denied equal protection under the law, then that would affect the partisan maps in every other state in the country. Wow. So that would change the political landscape of the country. Mm -hmm. Wow. What mm -hmm. about the uh, current makeup of the Supreme Court? Will that have a great deal to do with their decision? It, it has everything to do with it. And actually, this case, the, the current U.S. Supreme Court is roughly considered, described as five conservatives, mm -hmm. four less than conservatives. Mm -hmm. And then one of those five conservatives, Anthony Kennedy, a Reagan appointee yes. in the late 80s, is considered a swing justice. By that, we mean he often will vote with the progressives on some issues. Gay rights was an mm -hmm. example. Uh, there are others as well. He said 12 years ago in a similar decision that came before the U.S. Supreme Court, he voted to allow partisan gerrymandering to continue, excessive gerrymandering. But he said, if I could be shown a standard by which this is denying equal protection under the law, I might consider it. This case was drawn specifically with his concerns in mind. So in a sense, the whole case is designed to appeal to one justice, Anthony Kennedy. Interesting. Oh, wow. So that's, it, it, the decision is really is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So we, well, we, we're going to have to wait for that. Well, we and, need to take and, a little break, and, and then if we need yeah. to come back for, yeah. for a few minutes, we Absolutely. can do that. Absolutely. We have a few more topics okay. to pick your brain from. We'll be right back.
Welcome back. We left you hanging on a precipice, and we just want to wrap up what you should be watching for. And uh, Jay's going to give us uh, the Common Cause website so we know where to look for information. Well, thanks, Christine. Um, the name of the case, uh, for those who are keeping score, is uh, Gil v. Whitford. Whitford is a University of Wisconsin former retired law professor mm -hmm. who was the lead plaintiff in the case. Mm. There's like eight, eight plaintiffs. Uh, and then uh, Gill was uh, someone who opposed him on this. But that's the name of the case. And as I said, the decision we expect probably uh, no later than May, but it, uh, we're hoping earlier. And the reason that that's important is because if the court does what we hope it does, yeah. all the lines are going to have to be redrawn, redrawn for the 2018 election. Right. And that, that requires some time to do that. Right. And uh, for more information, uh, www.commoncausewisconsin.org. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, and then we have some other issues yeah, that we want to pick your brain about. Pretty important. It's a small brain. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, electrical, ele electoral, good government things, voter ID and judicial recusal. recusal. Mm -hmm. I can hardly say it. <laughs> but I know uh, you're really, um, that's a big issue for Common Cause right now. Why don't you talk about that, and we'll wrap up with voter ID. Sure. You know, the reason uh, judicial recusal, again, probably something that a lot of your uh, viewers are not tremendously familiar with, but it's a big issue in Wisconsin because of the 50 states in the country, Wisconsin has the 47th weakest recusal rules. And what I'm talking about by recusal is a case where a, a judge has been the recipient of a campaign contribution or the beneficiary of outside spending by a group. And in Wisconsin, there's no requirement that they have to recuse themselves if one of those parties who contributed the money or spent money on their behalf or attacking their opponent, if one of those parties is before the court, it's up for the judge to decide whether to recuse themselves, which is ridiculous if you think about it. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, no judge is going to say, yes, my judgment was affected by... Uh, receiving money, but of yeah. course, it's human it nature to expect, and the public perception is that that yeah. that, that judgment has been clouded mm -hmm. by a campaign contribution. So we don't have it. The, earlier this year, we used to talk about perception of conflict. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is the real thing. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah. big time. Well, not only that, but it, what's what's so amazing is that uh, earlier this year, 54 retired jurists from all over the state including two former Supreme Court justices, Janine Geske and Lewis Butler, mm -hmm. submitted a petition to the Wisconsin Supreme Court asking that they be allowed a hearing to, for the consideration of establishing sensible recusal rules. And the Supreme Court, by a five to two vote, mm -hmm. and by now we know uh, pretty much who the five always are and the two, uh, we, we have kind of a block system voting in Wisconsin, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. used to be very nonpartisan. It's very mm -hmm. partisanized now. But they voted not only not to accept the petition calling for stronger recusal rules, they also voted not even to allow a public hearing. So uh, Wisconsin Common Cause, my organization, organized three public hearings during the month of October, one in Green Bay, one in Milwaukee, and one here in Madison. And we had former Justice Janine Geske, former Justice Louis Butler at the Green Bay and Milwaukee, 
And then here uh, we had current Justice Ann Walsh Bradley, mm -hmm. uh, Justice Gerald, or former Judge Gerald Nickel mm -hmm. of the Dane County uh, Circuit Court. And we had 150 people attend the hearing in Madison alone. 500 people followed on Facebook. It, it's an issue that's important and has become a very big issue in the upcoming Supreme Court election to replace the retiring Michael Gable. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And so both, uh, two of the three opponents, or two of the three uh, candidates running for the Supreme Court have called for the adoption of these strong recusal rules. And I haven't met a single individual, conservative, liberal, Republican, or Democrat, who doesn't think it's a good idea. We should have that just to instill public confidence in the judiciary. And, the, and just to complete the thought, the, a, a judicial recusal rule would apply not just to Wisconsin Supreme Court elections. It would also apply to uh, state court of appeals, county circuit court judges, oh, and even so municipal. Okay. And the varying thresholds, All right. $500 for a municipal court, 10000 for a Supreme Court, and then okay. the amounts in between okay. for the other two uh, positions. And it just makes sense. And as I say, Wisconsin currently, only three states have weaker recusal rules. Again, surprising to any of us that have lived in Wisconsin to think that we would be that low on low the totem pole. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Good. Right. I'm glad you're doing something about well, that. Maybe we can wrap up with... Um, Voter ID, which is something that I've been concerned yes. about for a long time, as, as has, oh, by the way, I'm on the board of Common Cause. Full uh, disclosure. A little disclosure. <laughs> is, is that a recusal? Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, no, he can, he can be included. He can be included. It's a, it's a uh, non-paid position. Yes. <laughs> okay. So good. I don't think I need to. Okay, good. Anything. Uh, I don't even think I get expenses to come to the meeting. Think well, of you it. do get lunch. I get a free lunch. <laughs> free lunch. That's good. I'll tell okay. You. Voter good. ID, guys. Okay. Voter ID. Um, yeah, voter ID. I, uh, is there, um, you know, I think uh, one of the things that's new is that recently Dane County, the county clerk, commissioned a study by the University of Wisconsin uh, to look at voter ID and the effects on uh, suppressing voters and found some pretty interesting things. Jay, you want to yeah. tell well, us what they found? Tom actually wrote eloquently about this <laughs> very uh, study and this very subject. And uh, there was a University of Wisconsin uh, study undertaken by the political science department, primarily Ken Mayer, mm -hmm. who's a, a national expert on the issue of not only uh, voter voting, but also uh, on redistricting. And Mayer found that absolutely the imposition of Wisconsin's voter ID law, which I don't know if your viewers know this, it is amongst the two or three most restrictive, extreme voter ID laws in the country. Okay. States like South Carolina and Alabama, it's easier to vote in Mississippi than it is in Wisconsin. Hmm. States that traditionally have a history of suppressing the vote of large segments of the population, they allow more forms of ID to be used to show at the polling place than does Wisconsin. So it's, it's richly ironic that the, the, the state where the Republican Party was born, the party of Lincoln, who freed slavery, who ended the Civil War and freed the slaves, would be the, would be the state which has such restrictive yes. Yes. voting uh, laws. But the uh, study found that 
the imposition of this strict standard in Wisconsin, what it does is it causes people that otherwise might have some form of ID, but they don't drive anymore, so they don't have a driver's license. Right. Or they're a college student who's, who's coming to Wisconsin from Illinois or Minnesota, and they want to vote in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. But they make it so difficult for them to be able to get an ID that they can use because even the, the university-issued IDs, at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, the ID that you get as a student is not sufficient ID to be able to vote. And that's just ludicrous. Mm -hmm. And so, and then it makes it obviously difficult for people who don't have a driver's license, which right. is accepted, particularly if they can't get a ride to the DMV. And if you live in the inner city of Milwaukee, yeah. or if you're elderly, or you, you know, for some Absolutely. other reason, or you live in a rural area, in some rural so areas. Far. Yeah, I mean, some, well, and some rural areas, they only open six days out of the year. Yes. Yes, exactly. So it's, just, it's not, so it so it's a yeah. deliberate attempt to suppress certain segments of the of the population from voting. In this case, people who tend to vote maybe slightly more on the Democratic side. Mm -hmm. So it's a partisan measure that's yeah. been put into place. And what the, the study found, amongst other things, well, we know that there was a drop off of forty seven thousand votes in Milwaukee County alone from twenty twelve to twenty sixteen. We know that there was a drop off. In other on college campuses all over, mm -hmm. and particularly at UW Madison, wow. a lot less students voted in 2016 mm -hmm. than 2012. And keep in mind, Donald Trump won the state by about 24,000 votes. I mean, every vote is precious. Every vote counts. Yes. So the the hope is that we will be able to, at some point, loosen up to some extent. We're not going to be able to repeal it, but loosen up this strict voter ID law right. and allow, for instance, what they do in the state of Michigan, which is that if you ha were unable to get one of the required forms of ID, that you would simply be able to sign a sworn affidavit saying you are who you say you are under penalty of law, mm -hmm. under penalty of perjury, by the way, mm -hmm. and that you could vote. And that would enable a lot of folks who were unable to get that yeah. form of ID to be able to vote. And, and, and let me just finish with this. The excuse, the rationale for this is that there's quote-unquote voter fraud. There is no voter fraud. The Republicans were unable to produce a single instance of voter fraud at a, at a court trial on this issue in 2012. It's a fiction that was invented for the sole purpose of suppressing uh, right. people from voting. And if I, if I remember correctly, what voter ID does it would be if you were impersonating. You know, if I were impersonating you, if I said, my name is Jay Heck, I'm here to vote, you know, well, you know, the, the handful of cases are usually felons right. voting, mm. not impersonating. And often because they don't even know that they, they're not they, supposed they, to be able to vote. Yeah. They're yeah. not supposed to. But it's like such a handful. And this university study you know, suggested 25,000 people were either discouraged or prevented yes. from from voting. And I mean, and and like the the rationale for this is that if even one person votes illegally, it somehow corrupts, you know, the whole election. Right. But here we have just in Milwaukee and Dane County, which is where the study right. was done. It wasn't done statewide. Right. I mean, they're suggesting that 20, over 25,000 people were either uh, 
discouraged, discouraged or, or or unable to vote. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a lot more than one. Yeah, <laughs> a lot more than one. And that, that doesn't count the people who didn't even bother knowing that I'm not going to be able to get the ID. Well, and, and, and all of the effort needs to be made, in my view, to make it easier to vote. We have the technology to do that. Yeah. Um, Right. So it makes no sense to me at all that yeah. that oh, would be well, happen. And we should want more people voting. That's right. I mean, of, of the democracies in the world, our democracy ha happens to have amongst the lowest voter participation of any. I, what country is it that finds you if you Australia. don't vote? I, I thought yeah. I always thought that was I'm I'm a voter. You can tell. Yeah. Um, yeah, would you give us Common Cause's uh, website sure. address again? Sure. It's uh, www.commoncausewisconsin dot o-r-g and if you want to call uh, I'll even take a collect sure. call sure. area code six zero eight two five six two six eight six that'll appear on the screen for our viewers um, can we join common you, cause you can uh, we have already about thirty five hundred members wonderful we're a large organization and, mem and some members have belonged for as long as 45, 50 years and, 45 years and uh, seems to be a gateway to democracy if you ask me well, we, we like to think of it that, but we also hope, we would love for our job, my job, to go away at some yes, point. Yes, absolutely. Unfortunately, it's only more needed now than ever, I think. Thank you, Jay, for being with us. Thank you, Christine. We'll you see guys. you again next month on Senior Beat.